1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Men. And Frank, the Milwaukee Bucks are four and two. They beat the Atlanta Hawks today 117-106. We are recording Sunday night, 9.30. They beat them this afternoon. And dominated wire to wire, pretty much, right? Like uh, I think that's that would be the way I would attempt to describe what happened today
0: Uh, i feel like an 11 point win you can't say domination i I feel like they they were a little i mean it was kind of weird like they never it never really got you know um nervous i would say
1: isn't that domination like never feeling nervous at any point
0: yeah but i mean Giannis and middleton will play 30 minutes like 38 minutes you know I, i don't know it it felt like they had to keep playing good players in order to not get nervous um and so I think, you know, especially early on, I kind of was like wondering, especially in, at points in the first half, I think they were up by as many as 23, you know, has this become a game where DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown play a majority of the fourth quarter? And to me, that's like a domination. This game was more like, oh, we don't really believe that we that we can rely on our scrubs and it's going to be close enough to, to like need our good players. With no
1: Monroe, could you ever have that?
0: Like with this bench unit? Well, sure. I mean, Sterling Brown could play. I mean, who, you know, like Rashad Vaughn got the random, you know, bench minutes. But if Giannis plays the entire fourth quarter, I mean, to me, that's not a blowout. Or it's just, you know, you could say, you could say, you could say, Jason, I mean, Kidd kind of backed himself into a corner a little bit because like normally he gives Giannis longer blow at the end of the third tonight. Giannis, by the way, Giannis, a performance that NBA.com's Twitter account referred to as solid. Uh, scores 33 points on 14 out of 21 shooting. Um, what was it? 12, 11, 12 rebounds? Uh, 11 rebounds. 11 rebounds, five assists. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of ho hum, uh, <laughs> just, you know, like putting up those numbers. Um, but Giannis got uh, a 55 second blow at the end of the third quarter and then came back and played um, all but, like, those parts of the last minute of the fourth quarter. So, um yeah it was it was a little weird in that it was like you could tell kids still didn't like really trust his team To i mean you know again like we, we didn't see dj wilson and sterling brown until the last minute of the game jason terry and interestingly andre liggins didn't play at all so basically rashad vaughn who we can talk about in a moment um rashad vaughn with a huge uh four out of six shooting night off the bench for 12 points pretty much all those threes coming in the first half as the bucks kind of blew open the game um but yeah, I mean, you know, they went, what, 11, 11 deep. Um, and two of those guys came in in the last minute. So, um, you know, I think certainly if this was a laugher, you'd see even more guys play. I think you would have seen an all bench unit, you know, much earlier in the fourth quarter. So anyway, we're kind of splitting hairs a little bit here. But, um, you know, bottom line, you know, I look at the I think the offense certainly uh, gets the kudos today. 118 points per 100, uh, 13 out of 26 from three they were, you know, great shooting the ball, moved the ball really well, 30 assists, uh, 14 turnovers. So again, pretty, pretty tidy night offensively led by Giannis. And we'll talk about Chris Middleton, I'm sure had a great second half from Chris, 27 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, offensively, it was great. I think defensively, you would say more holes and probably some of that was getting up big and then guys taking their foot off the gas a little bit. But either way i think certainly defensively allowing 107 points per 100 not not terrible or anything like that but um but again that that kept it close because the hawks were able to kind of make enough threes 13 out of 29 from three to to kind of stay in the game so you know again i'm not complaining about it um could it have been a more comprehensive victory yes was it a double digit win and i don't did the hawks ever get it below double digits i don't know if they actually no. did so um, it, it was still comfortable, but not. I would. I would only stop short of saying a dominating win. But either way, you know, I will take pretty much any road win by double digits. And um, obviously, a Hawks team that uh, is not going to be very good this year. But uh, by the same token, I mean they shoot so many threes. They're. They're. You know, they drive and kick. They're one of the hardest driving teams in the league, even though they're not great offensively necessarily. Um, but they drive a lot. They kick it out. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, you know, we saw what happened in the preseason with a Bulls team that, that shot a bunch of threes, and they happened to go in, and the Bucks didn't shoot well, and it was also the preseason. But, you know, the Bucs lost a game like that. So certainly tonight, another game where if you don't play well offensively against a team like the Hawks, you never know, any given night So or any given afternoon. So um, I, I am content with a win, but, yeah, you know, could it could could have been a bit more comprehensive?
1: See, the reason why I feel explaining like hairs is important is because I I don't know if I can analyze this game. Like the Hawks suck; they're terrible. And the Bucks went up. What Giannis scores the first nine assists to Tony Snell for twelve, and they go up twelve to two. And then maybe it got within single digits at some point in the first half, but after that, it was. It was double digits the whole way like i watching the game there was never a point where i was like oh man the bucks might blow this like never i didn't feel that once um so yeah and and i get like you could have just pushed it up to 25 and the scrubs could have came in but man that that was i mean as thorough of a beatdown as you can get without your without your best players staying out the entire fourth quarter and i just don't maybe the I wonder if the Bucks actually have a game like that in the in them. Maybe that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, Giannis was great from the start. Um, I, I'm curious now to see if this is what we're going to see against bad teams. Hey, Giannis knew no one on that team could cover him. There, there was the the highlight play in what was it the third quarter where he dunked on. All five guys on the floor. Maybe it was only four of them, uh, but <laughs> he he just goes right through them and doesn't really seem uh, to to be affected at all. And then just at just thinking about that game, like there's, Giannis is now the type of player that doesn't just dominate a game. Like he dominated a game and then also kind of sort of went out of his way to get Rashad Vaughn going. Like Vaughn got those, was four of six from three, but two of them, one was in transition, and they both realized, like, oh, Rashad's probably going to be open at about half court. Giannis could have attacked. He probably could have got to the basket because in transition, he's just about unstoppable, but he decided to pull it up around the three point line. All the people that were trailing the play went through, left Rashad Vaughn wide open on the left wing. Simple pass, three. Just like that. And then a few plays later, he's posting up. And, again, he probably could have pivoted four or five times, put his shoulder down, and dunked. But instead, it was a kick out to Rashad Vaughn, and there was another three. And I don't know. You're just seeing an entirely different level of basketball played by Giannis this year. Uh, Obviously, the, the numbers are staggering, but... Just the effects that he can, just the effect that he can have on winning, and then also getting other guys involved. Like again, we struggle with comps, but that's LeBron stuff. Like that—that's what LeBron does. He he finds a way to get those other guys going. He finds a way to get Booby Gibson a big contract, a, a, a way to be a viable NBA player. And again, I don't know if that's what. He's done for Rashad Vaughn uh, today. is The clock is ticking on Rashad Vaughn in his fourth year uh, extension. But uh, it, I was just, I just came away totally. Again, this is a strange day to say, blown away. But when you start to see Giannis do all of those little things and be able to think outside of himself about being able to think outside of, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go dominate this game. I'm just gonna go score. No one can stop me to start thinking about how I get other people involved and how I I can make my teammates better. Like that's, that's really special stuff. And, uh, he, he's, he's incredible.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, Rashad Vaughn here, they have until the end of the month to make a decision on his fourth year team option. He's under contract, obviously this year, fourth year player option at 2.9 million. And, um, you know, earlier in the summer, especially after Summer League, I probably would have thought, like, like well, I mean, I, I guess you pick it up because it's not that much. And, you know, I don't know. He's so young. Maybe you just keep rolling the dice and just sort of see if, uh, you know, if maybe he, he kind of pans out. But um, I think over the last few weeks, you know, we've both kind of turned around a bit on that, especially with the Bucks and, you know, obviously the the ongoing tightness of their luxury tech situation moving forward. Um, $3 million is a, is a big deal, and, and you don't want to give it to a guy that you don't think can help. And, um, for Vaughn, who's been inactive the last few games, uh, to come off the bench, get you know early early run, kind of in the slot that DeAndre Liggins might otherwise have gotten in the last few games, uh, um, to come in, you know, have the composure to shoot his you know moonball high arcing threes and uh, and hit those and and you know help kind of blow the game open. Uh, yeah. to, to help them build that really big lead, um, I, I thought that was great to see. You know, just to see him not just for him at you know happy for him as a person that he does well but um you know i think that shows that again this is one of the big challenges of being a young player in the nba is you you come in and you're generally somebody who's used to getting the ball and playing a lot of minutes and you know getting your reps and that that's not the way most that's not the way it is for most young guys you have to be able to just come off the bench and play 10 minutes whatever take a few shots and and hit more of them than you miss and obviously that's been a huge struggle for Rashad but uh today obviously comes out you know I don't know maybe this is just part two of that game uh, last year early in the season against the Nets where he went kind of crazy and scored 20 whatever points it was um Our, our
1: was, friend all the Bucks points out that this was the 1 year anniversary of that game Is it okay <laughs>
0: Definitely follow at all the Bucks uh great stats probably my favorite like Bucks stats um, follow. He's, he always tweets out some really great stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was interesting, um, to see him kind of come in and, and obviously the guys were looking for him and he had some good looks and, and he paid him off. And, and certainly I think what we saw today, especially in this, I think in the second half in particular, um, we saw the Hawks try to go with some smaller guys on Giannis. They started off with Mike Muscala, which, you know, I, I, I tweeted out for the game. I think that's probably a better bet than trying to go small just because, um, small guys, I mean, you know, in theory you're thinking, Oh, he can, the small guy's going to be able to stay in front of him, but the way he can Euro step and just overwhelm people and out length people and out strength people. Now, I just think we've seen small guys just really struggle to, to handle him. And I think big guys, I mean, Al Horford is a unique, player obviously not every team has an Al Horford but I thought Horford did a really nice job and you know put put bodies uh, put a big body who at least can't who at least Giannis can't just kind of bulldoze through yeah Um, but either way Mike Cascala gives up you know 13 points or 11 points in like a few minutes right like it didn't really matter so
1: I was gonna say with small guys too the advantage would obviously be like oh you can crowd him you can uh, use your quickness to stay in front of him but if he has these insane, just insane strides, and I don't know if you ca- caught uh, Chris Herring's piece, but the, the length of Giannis' strides is, I don't even know, so much longer than the average NBA player, like maybe like five feet longer, if I remember yeah, correctly. Like f- 15 feet versus 10 10.8 10. Yeah. or
0: something like that. Yeah. Uh,
1: so it's ridiculous. So like, the advantage you have by putting a small guy on him is just totally gone because if you crowd him, and he uses one of those insanely long strides, happens to get around you, well, then he's in free. <laughs> and good luck to whatever big man is back there. Um, and, and he's gotten good enough at playmaking that it's just not a, a good situation. So then you're in the same spot where with big guys it's okay well now you have to give them space but if you give them space you've given them a head start and he's just going to hit you with the euro step that a big dude's never going to be able to stay with so you have to hope that I don't want to say I'm not going to call Al Horford a unicorn but I guess for bigs it is kind of a unicorn-y type skill set like you have to be strong enough and quick enough so like a guy like Tom Maker who we think of as a guy that is really great in those situations well he's not strong enough for for Giannis. Like Giannis, he'd be able to stay with him, and I'm, I'm sure he'd be able to pressure and kind of hurt Giannis a little bit, but eventually Giannis would just be stronger than him and put him under the rim, and that would be that. So you have to kind of find this this strange, it, that Venn diagram, that overlapping part of that Venn diagram is very small for NBA players anywhere, and uh, it's just kind of interesting every, every game thinking about the other team's lineup and being, like, as we're previewing games, like, okay, who is a good matchup for Giannis on that roster? And most nights, you're not going to find one. And especially with teams at the bottom of uh, the Eastern Conference, bottom of the Western Conference, the bottom of the NBA, like, one, they're probably not going to have that guy, and then they're just not going to have the talent to be able to make up for that. So uh, you would hope that this is what games more often look like this year from teams that you feel are, are regularly or that should be at the bottom of the NBA. Like the Bucks should do this to them this year because Giannis should just be so overwhelming that you can have games like this. And, and I tweeted it out and uh, mentioned like, when was the last time the Bucks kind of did this from wire to wire against a bad team? Uh, and you jokingly said, well, you you said the Raptors game three, um, which is accurate. I, I wasn't
0: uh, I wasn't joking. I just didn't I didn't like uh, the bad team part didn't <laughs> register. With me, but, um, it was a good singer. More more impressive to beat a good team uh, wire sure. to wire. But um, but yeah, I mean your point is taking care of business, right? Like, yep. t- can you get to the point where Absolutely. you're just consistently kind of taking these teams out. And um, by one other thing, just before we kind of depart from the defending Giannis thing, um, second half that when they did have some smaller guys on him, um, we saw a more consistent doubling. Uh, yeah. from the Hawks and so again that's another thing that you'll uh, expect to see you know and and that's obviously an important thing for Giannis, um, that that he be able to recognize those double teams and I, I think uh, he rec I think he does it very well when he's like kind of facing up I think the question more is especially if he's d- if he's more in a back- to basket situation yeah. and a double comes quickly you know can he recognize it quickly enough because obviously if you got your back to the basket or back to a defender there's you know, I think one turnover he had where a teammate didn't call out a defender doubling from the backside yeah. and um they knocked it away for a steal and he seemed kind of visibly annoyed I think he was actually telling somebody like hey you gotta like call it out you know to that somebody's coming but um certainly yeah I mean Giannis is gonna see every possible look this year <laughs> yes. um and you know it, it's gonna be an ongoing I think interesting thing to watch is how how teams try to stop him and I think today you know Muscala trying to give him space and Giannis in the first couple of minutes hits you know uh and interesting, you know, where he could have first bucket, he could have shot a, an an immediate catch and shoot three. He takes kind of like a a rhythm dribble in and shoots a long two that he makes um, and then pulls up, uh, I don't know if it was the next possession or a possession after, um, pulls up for a right wing, you know, easy three in transition that uh, that he buries and um, that obviously kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the game. So, you know, and again, I mean, Muscala at various points was like shagging off him even more as the game went on. And, um, you know, Giannis generally very patient, though. He's, you know, he's not going to just jack the three every time he's open um i think he probably should look to shoot it more it'd be nice if he could punish that more often rather than just mm-hmm. a all right screw you i'll take one just to take one type thing but <laughs> um certainly obviously that'll be something we'll, we'll watch out for in the season
1: one thing i i'm really interested in and i wrote down a couple possessions in my notes and i need to relook at them uh at some point in the next couple days but the, those situations where Giannis had, I think it was Baysmore on him, and he started backing down, and then the double team started to come. It seems like the Bucks are kind of, like, his teammates are kind of in a weird spot now where there's only two things that they do. Either everyone stands still in an attempt to space the floor, or everyone cuts at the same time. And there's just, like, no in-between. And, and I guess it kind of makes sense because this is something that they're adjusting to. They probably haven't had a ton of reps of just kind of figuring that out and feeling each other out. But it felt like during a number of those possessions, it would be like Middleton and Brogdon on the wing in the top. And both of them would cut. And it was like, one of you, one of you cut and the other one can space. And then you have some nice floor balance. And I, I, Again, I, I wrote about it a little bit on Friday, and I talked about it, obviously, on our last podcast. The, the, the next month for me is just going to, I think, be really fun to watch, one, how teams defend Giannis two how the bucks try to combat how he defends he gets defended and then three how they adjust how they combat how he's being defended like, like those adjustments are going to be very interesting to me and i'm i'm just curious if they can clean all of that up and, and what they do what they look like when they have a really good possession in that spot because it it's i guess it was kind of nice that we got to see lebron so early this year uh, against the bucks because in those spots like the cavaliers just know like they know where they're going they know who's cutting where lebron knows where he's going to throw that pass and like it, we we just haven't seen the bucks kind of figure that out yet um so it'll be kind of interesting to see how how that all goes. Yeah, and of course, we should probably put an asterisk on the Cavs
0: at this point cuz that I think we basically saw the one game the Cavs played well. <laughs> I ag- would agree. Against against the Bucks they lost uh, again tonight uh, against the Knicks by 19 at home, um which again just kind of underscores like it's I there. Mean, it's it's what we said heading to that first Bucks game of the season after, you know, after we watched that 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 uh Cavs Celtics opener and Obviously, everybody talking about the Gordon Hayward injury and what that means for the Celtics, but. Man, you watched that the Cavs on opening night, and I know that they've since then rejiggered their lineup a bit. Um, they now have Thompson at center. They have Lowe and they'll surely over. do it again and again and again <laughs> yeah, because sure.
1: there's not a lot of lineup combinations that make sense with the players right. that you signed this offseason.
0: Yeah, so I mean, basically they look now they look like the team a year ago, with the exception of you have the huge downgrade of, of obviously Kyrie being turned into Derrick Rose, um, yeah. which is not a trivial change to make. Um, but, you know, they do have J.R. Smith back into the starting five. I mean, Dwayne Wade, in theory, coming off the bench, I mean, that could work, right? But, um, man, this Cavs team, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, how long – I mean, Ty Lou is kind of LeBron's guy. And not to turn this into a Cavs podcast because it's super early. But, um, you know, they're, th- what, three and four now? I, I mean, yeah. at some point, like, how many – I mean, they've won, lost what two or three games at home by 20 points. They lost to the Magic by in a blowout, and they lost now to the the Knicks at home in a blowout. Um, I mean, at some point, like, I mean, David Black got fired with the best record I think in the East at the time, Um, and I think the Lou had a worse record after him. But they obviously won the title, so you know nobody's complaining. But, uh, but yeah, I I mean, the
1: East is just—they look so bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. they've looked so bad. I I watched most of that Pelicans game last night oh my gosh they look awful yeah it's it's wide open the east the east is literally wide open at this point uh so again i I will never ever, ever 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 doubt lebron james and his ability uh to carry a team to where he needs to carry a team um but they they're not doing him many favors. <laughs> the team there just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so, yeah, they they're a team that you should be able to uh, to hopefully take advantage of over the next couple months. And if you can build a little bit of a cushion and use the the final part of the schedule to. Fend them off once they figure things out, if they figure things out. And uh you look at the Celtics, they're kind of going through some stuff and they've kind of figured some things out, and obviously they look pretty good on Thursday against the Bucks. but man, they, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks around the Eastern Conference. Um and the Bucks have a chance to do some stuff. So um it, you it's wanna- re- I was gonna say it's weird to think that there should be so much care put into these games in October and November, but they're all part of an 82-game schedule. They all Wins in October count the same as wins in April, so if you can get them and you have your shit together and they don't, like, yeah the the this is a time to take advantage and and put put yourself uh with a little bit of space in between them
0: yeah and uh, i think maybe the the next for me the big talking point of this game because it's going to be something that looks to be impacting the bucks for the next couple of weeks is the absence of greg monroe um and obviously today you look at the especially the way the offense performed obviously greg monroe being out with uh left calf soreness we heard about that um Was it earlier today, I guess, we heard that Greg Monroe was going to be out today. And then after the game, Jason Kidd told reporters that they were going to basically have him sit out a couple weeks. This is something that has been bugging Monroe uh, since training camp Um, and apparently aggravated something uh, in the game against the Celtics. Um, And I I guess first off, I'd say, you know, hopefully that soreness maybe is is the reason for for some of Monroe's struggles. Obviously, uh, he's like one of the guys that had not been playing well um in the early part of the season um you know had at times you know just been flat out bench we saw a lot more John Henson in no small part because of Greg Monroe just not looking like a guy that certainly you'd want to finish games with i don't i'm trying to think if Monroe has closed any games at this point maybe maybe so. he did at some point but i i don't really remember it seems like Henson's been the guy and um you know, we hear that he's going to be out a couple of weeks. And I, I just think back to two years ago, Monroe's first season. I remember us discussing at some point, I don't know if we put it on a, on a brew hoop pod at some point or not, but um, obviously you don't like, you're never like rooting for your own players to be hurt. But I remember saying at one point, like it would be convenient if like, there was a reason to just like sit Monroe for like a week or two, just to like Camp. see, you because know, there was so much noise about well, how, how much of the issues were like, oh, Greg Monroe can't play this defense, Greg Monroe, blah blah blah. And I just remember thinking, like, man, it would be helpful just to like see what the box would look like without Greg Monroe, just mm-hmm. to like be instructive and and help us sort of understand the best way for this team to play. And um, obviously, last year too, Greg's credit, he came back and um, you know was was very good all season, you know, and especially with Middleton and Jabari injuries. Um, Probably the second most valuable buck last year. But uh, certainly to start this season he has not looked himself. Obviously Thonmaker is you know, kind of the future of the team, fits well, especially on paper at least, moving forward with the rest of the starters. And John Henson to his credit. Um, you know, we've been basically kicking dirt on the uh on on john henson's grave in milwaukee for like yep. i don't know how long uh and to his credit he has come out and played very well early in the season and tonight uh, no exception to that now uh, what do you have 12 points nine boards um you have a couple three assists, two game. steals three blocks <laughs> yeah um he did foul out he he it was a total pro move john collins was uh raising up to to dunk in the final minute and henson just Smacked him on the wrist and knocked the ball away to take the foul. So he took the foul out Spine. rather than letting Collins get get another dunk. It's a um, strong business decision. It's a business decision, you know. You gotta, you can't let the rooks get uh, get feel too good about themselves. By the way, Collins, uh, I, I I joked before the game that he was going to put up eighteen and twelve and make us all sad that the Bucks passed on him not that far off 14 and 6 uh in 25 minutes and drew like 18 fouls it felt like yeah. um but uh but yeah John Henson playing well played 28 minutes uh Thonmaker played 20 minutes uh I took the under you you uh you, well, I don't forget do you, I don't know if you know offhand what the result your poll was but you polled people before the game and asked 67%
1: people... thought Thonmaker would play more than 22 minutes today
0: okay I took the under I just felt like something fouls Small lineup. Something would happen that would prevent Thon from playing more than 22 minutes. And uh, sure enough, he plays 20. Um, three points, hit his only shot of three, five boards, two assists, two steals. Um, he's averaging almost three steals per 36 minutes right now by the way um, and and generally kind of I'd say fitting in pretty well but um, you know I think Henson has been kind of the story at the center position you know which again we didn't necessarily expect but w- at this point we should never expect the expected from the buck center Oof. position we should just always yes. assume that the person we don't expect is is going to come come back to and uh, and, and be the guy to actually get minutes and um, Henson played well today you know had a couple of I, I would say block that really kind of came not out of nowhere but were let's say out of area blocks where he looked to be mm-hmm. not not close enough to make a play and he did um and so i thought he was good again and and again henson's been very solid this season so far and the lineups with him and the starters have been very good um tonight it was encouraging i, I tweeted before the game the starters coming in this game are minus 16 and 44 minutes a year ago um they were uh, plus 16 in like, I think like 135 minutes. They didn't play that much together just because of Chris uh, coming back late and, and Thon obviously not getting a ton of minutes. But um, the starters had very much underwhelmed, at least in terms of plus minus so far, which again, Over a large sample, you got to have your starters giving you leads, not not giving you deficits. And tonight they were, uh, I think it was plus thirteen in fifteen minutes. So we saw a lot of them, and uh, and they delivered, including obviously that that early lead. So um, the center position I think is going to be interesting to watch, just because um, you know we probably have mentally been assuming that Greg Monroe would is not going to be the long-term solution in Milwaukee. Uh, Certainly he hasn't been starting for last year. Um, And now we're going to see the next couple weeks, we're going to see how Thonmaker and John Henson play. And um, again, we talked about there not really being excuses for the defense not to play well. Um, I think the last remaining excuse just kind of got put on put on ice for two weeks so um i, I am very curious to see i in the words of eric name i would say i am fascinated to see <laughs> what this team and in particular what this defense looks like with thon maker and, and mirza toletovic or sorry and john henson getting the vast majority of the minutes in the middle
1: I mean, I think it's clear. John Henson is clearly just going to earn his contract over the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's not going to be the game. Actually, maybe it is. I don't know. I, we always joke about it. Obviously, uh, John Henson has had these hot streaks before. I'm trying to think back to what was it, January of 2015, 2014? And the Bucks had a real nice month defensively. Um, it was right after Larry Sanders had left the team, and Henson kind of stepped in, and uh, he was just exactly what you wanted in that position. He was all over the place. He was blocking shots. He was getting steals. He was rebounding. He was giving good effort, and I, I don't know. It, with Henson, at if you have a theory, if you can figure out what makes him tick on the nights that he ticks and what turns him off on the nights that he seems totally inactive, I would love to know. Um if you have one send it to us. Uh but it's just it's baffling at this point honestly. The like guy I, I, I have no reason I had no reason to believe that he would play well. At the start of this season, I had no reason to believe that he would play a couple minutes and give us a. I get. Give Jason Kidd a reason to play even more. So I don't know. I I am the human form of the shruggy emoji when it comes to John Henson because. (laughs) I I have no idea. But he, yes, he's been totally solid. His effort has been off the charts. I mean, I don't know how many games I've tweeted about. Uh, obviously, today, there wasn't a lot of misses uh, for him to work offensively on the glass, but he's been working on the offensive glass. Uh, he's been fine on the defensive glass. Uh, and again, the team numbers might not bear that out just because of... The scheme and kind of how uh, John Henson is I, well, I as, think, as as I a think basketball player. I think, uh, I think
0: they're sixth in defensive rebound rate right now. So they've actually been good defensive rebounding. They've been last in offensive rebounding, which you know is more of kind of a stylistic thing. Right. That, you know, do you choose to do it or or not? Um, so I guess they, the they number.
1: The numbers do bear it out that yeah. <laughs> that they have been good on the defensive glass. Uh, so yeah, I, I I will say I'm very uncomfortable in this realm uh, because when John Henson is doing good things, uh, I'm I'm just kind of waiting for the moment it'll end uh, because that's kind of what his his career has played out um, to this point. So uh, we'll see there, but yeah, I, I think you have to be fascinated by. Thon, and John uh, playing all the minutes at center because again, if you're looking for the archetype of the center that fits best in this defensive scheme, it's those two guys. It's those type of guys that can really move their feet, uh, can maybe switch on to some guards for a little while who can help defend, who can get some blocks, who can get their hands on some passes as as, uh, teams try to throw the fastballs across. Uh, So I think it's it's going to be a very telling two weeks if two weeks can be telling. Um, But there's uh, I I think a number of teams that should challenge the Bucks in those two weeks. Uh, You look at the upcoming schedule: OKC, Charlotte, Detroit, Cleveland, San Antonio, and that gets us about through two weeks. All those teams have at times, uh, ex- excluding Detroit, um, have made the Bucks look very silly at times defensively. Um, so there's going to be some tough tests in, in the next two weeks. And I, I think ultimately with those two guys also, you have to worry about foul trouble. Obviously Thon picked up four today in 20 minutes. Henson fouled out in his 28 minutes. Um, so... They're probably going to use up 10 every night, um, if they're covering all 48. Uh, so you just kind of have to see. And then maybe that means DJ Wilson. Maybe that means point center Giannis. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the, the third string center looks like on this roster. Um, but it's going to be a fun couple of weeks to see what those two guys have and kind of, uh, maybe what to expect going forward. Yeah. And
0: you mentioned DJ Wilson, um, yeah, I think Matt Velasquez uh in his article had a quote from uh from Jason Kidd suggesting that with Monroe out, obviously Henson and, and Thon are the guys that they're gonna lean on. But I think he also mentioned specifically DJ Wilson and Giannis getting getting a chance at maybe some run there as well. So um I don't know, we'll see. I mean I, I tweeted this earlier today too, like DJ Wilson on paper if you if you only know DJ Wilson as um, a bunch of numbers collected on a draft Express page slash a basketball reference page you know you see that he's like 611 in shoes with a 73 wingspan and he weighs over 230 pounds and you'd say uh, that's the kind of guy who should eventually play some center in the NBA right yeah but I don't know I mean I watched watching him in Vegas I mean we all knew that he's a really bad defensive rebounder in college Um and you know, I, I watched some stuff from high school of him too. I mean, you know, he he looks like a guy who was a wing in high school, and he was right. Yeah. He didn't grow, you know, he grew, grew a bit towards the end of high school and, and in college, I think, and um, kind of grew into that, you know, sort of stretch four type frame, but. It feels like so much of his game is much more wing-like, and I think that does also extend to to kind of how he plays defensively. Like I don't think DJ Wilson's ever going to stand in the middle of a of the lane and you know wait for guys to to come <laughs> challenge at the rim and, and block shots, right? Like he's no. if he he blocked some shots in college, but I, I think it was more as sort of a help guy, um, yeah. not really as you know patrolling the paint type guy and. Again, that's not necessarily to say that, that he should be expected to, to play like a center given the way he is, but um, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I think if he did play some center, let's just say if he's on the court with Giannis or if he's on the court with like Mirza Teletovic, um I, I don't know. I'd probably put Teletovic, if there's like a, a burlier guy, I'd probably put Teletovic on that guy just at a minimum to spare Giannis having to do it or to spare DJ Wilson having to do it, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe DJ Wilson will get some run because certainly um, a number of guys picked after him like, John Collins and you know a number of other guys have started to get some run, and it's been a, a really strong start for the rookie class more broadly. And um, certainly, Bucks fans ever anxious? Um, you know, I no. I mean, I'll be honest; like, I was totally blindsided by the, the Wilson pick. So, I, yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't say I had a, a strong opinion on it in in the sense of an educated opinion. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. He seems like he could fit the modern NBA well, but. Um, I don't know. I haven't really seen much to show like, oh yeah, DJ Wilson has like real upside to be a really good player. Um, yep. but, and again, the less he plays, the less we're going to have any sense of that. And you, you hope obviously that we don't have these dis- conversations about him in two years that we do with Rashad Vaughn or asking about, you know, should the Bucks pick up a, pl- a team option or not, but it is early and, uh, who knows, maybe this will be the chance for him to, to actually get some run. Cause certainly Mirza Tladovic thus far has, you know, gotten all the kind of, spare backup Giannis minutes and um you know uh, obviously he has been a little inconsistent uh but uh but for the most part you know we've at least seen signs of of Mirza are breaking out a little bit um speaking of breaking out we've gone we've talked a lot and we have yet to really say anything about Chris Middleton and I feel like we need to remedy that
1: uh he's still a really good basketball player <laughs> like uh, I I don't know what uh, obviously a big day for him 27 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, two steals, a plus 26 on the day. Um yeah he's he's still really good um i I, obviously it's nice to see him hit some threes a couple of them open catch and shoot looks uh three of five from the three-point line today and yeah it it was a rough start again for him today i think two of eleven at halftime uh, and he ends the game nine for 19 so seven of eight in the second half i think uh, i'm trying to think 21 points in the second half maybe 20 points in the third quarter uh yeah he's he's really good he's a really good basketball player and you shouldn't really question whether or not he's a really good basketball player because he undeniably is um he's been cold uh, there's no doubt about that and he has to be better uh certainly in, in games where they've really needed him this year he just hasn't been able to produce um but I think he kind of showed off the whole whole range of skills today with hitting some threes, getting to the basket a little bit, nine assists, obviously, I think something that we – I don't know if we do, but I think something that continuously gets underrated with Chris is that he's probably gonna average four assists on the on the season or at least close. Um and that's that's not normal um for, for NBA shooting guards to be able to contribute in that way and not just get those points. So uh for him to be able to score the points dish out a bunch of assists be as good as he is defensively they he's a really good basketball player
0: yeah Curtis middleton right now uh after today's game he's up to 17.2 points 5.7 rebounds 4.7 assists per game 2.8 turnovers so again he had a couple of loose games with the ball mm-hmm. uh picking up maybe more turnovers than you like but um you know, overall, uh, he's getting there. And again, he's still just 25 percent from three on the year, uh, just 41 and percent from the line on the year. So, again, like the shooting efficiency numbers obviously are not there yet. Um, but again, it, this is a guy who's been effective for the last few years. We know kind of what Chris is. And, you know, I, I um, when I was talking about uh, before the game, I was tweeting about the the starting lineup being bad. and And someone tweeted at me asking, you know, well, is that? have is Middleton being a black hole or shooting poorly or something negative about Middleton. Uh, is that, is that a big reason why? And I said, well, Chris is uh plus 6.6 points one hundred when he's on the court and the bucks bucks without Chris Middleton on the court before this game were minus 19.7 points for 100. Yep. So that sounds right. Um, and 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 then somebody else I think tweeted at me and said, Well, hey, like, doesn't that just show how worthless a stat plus minus is that you know Chris Middleton is playing shooting so poorly and his plus minus numbers are still good? And I I hope he picked to-
1: up that face poem that I just did. Uh, <laughs> I hope my microphone picked it up because I slapped right. myself in the face as about as hard as I can.
0: Yeah, and I mean this is the thing, right? Like when every year Chris Middleton is the Bucks are really good when he's on the court, and they're really bad when he's off the court. And when that happens every goddamn year, at some point you say, "You know what? There is something to this. <laughs> like Attention, this is not a coincidence." Bucks
1: fans, it is not a coincidence. <laughs> it is not a coincidence. Bucks fans.
0: Um, now, I mean, I think it's interesting in the context of of Giannis has been very underwhelming from a plus minus perspective to start the year. And, you know, even last year, I mean, from January 1st on, the Bucs were actually better without Giannis than with him. Mm. And, I mean, I think that is certainly much more noisy, right? Like, I mean, it's all kind of like one of these things, like if a, if a, if a good player has good plus-minus stats or much better plus-minus stats and happens year after year after year, then you'd say, like, that guy's really good. Like, that confirms everything <laughs> yeah. else that we have on this person. When a guy's putting up monster numbers and the offense is really relying on him and his, you know, Plus minus to start the year, or even over a couple months sample is not great. Then I think you say, well, let's think about that. You know, like there's something going on there, but it's not like because Giannis is a bad player, Giannis is hard to play with or bad to work. You know that that that's not what the the data tells us. The data just tells you that. Something's happening there, and and for some reason, whether it's because of he's playing big minutes and maybe he's getting tired, or or something that, that schematically that they're doing is you know could be better. Um, you know, I think last year when I saw that stat, I thought to myself, well, the good news is somehow the bench is without you know the, without the non Giannis units are yep. better than I would think. Like they're basically like winning you know a five hundred so, team uh, yeah. without Giannis, and and on the flip side this team should be a lot better with Giannis on the court. So, yeah. you know, there, there's work to do. And I think that was part of what I saw early in the season. Now, to be clear, the Bucks are have been better early this season with Giannis offensively. And where they've been weirdly bad relative to him being off the court was defensively, which, again, doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it's not like Giannis is secretly playing bad defense and then Mirza Toledovic comes into games and then they figure <laughs> stuff out, you know? like Yeah. Um, You know, Toledovic probably is not as bad as people think and then something's happening just because of the quirks of early season small samples whatever it might be but um, you know it's always interesting to watch this stuff because I think again like you know when people talk about like oh this lineup killed you or like why are we playing this lineup or that lineup I I just like always to like look at the data and just say well (laughs) technically it doesn't yeah I mean does the lineup that kill you did it actually kill you or was it like a zero break even, and that's actually really not a storyline as far as like what happened and describing sort of like the activities on the court. So, anyway, I de- kind of derailed that conversation. No, I think- I'm
1: I'm very interested to kind of see how those yum- numbers with Giannis continue to evolve because I think a lot of the times when you see great players have those great effects where where they're on the floor they're so much better than when they're off the floor. It's like, well, the bench just like sucks. Uh, so they're getting kind of a bit of a bump there. Um, and I think having someone like Middleton that can kind of help steady the bench helps out the Bucks in a lot of ways that Giannis can't get those extra those extra gravy points, if that makes any sense, um, for when you're looking at pl- how much rather they are with him on the floor and then how much worse they are with him off the floor. Um, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it's going to, at some point, like you said, those lineups have to become elite. If you're going to be an elite team, your your most played lineups have to be elite. And the Bucks have to find ways to do that. Right now, um, I think the path to that is probably becoming incredible offensively and fine defensively. Um, to me, that makes the most logical sense. I know we talked about that before the season when we were talking about defensive rating and kind of how the, the Bucks get to a spot where they're they're a, a team that can win 50 games. Like, they have to find a way to become elite at something. And right now, certainly, even with this small sample size this season, I, I think I feel better about them being a much better offensive team than them being a much better defensive team. So, uh, they just kind of have to get to a point where that stabilizes and they're able to, I mean, Put on a, a 118 offensive rating uh, and be able to. I mean, even even in that uh, today, they were plus 11 in that rating because they were so much better offensively uh, than than they were defensively. So I, I don't know. It, it's going to be fun to to see how the how Giannis's elite status uh, turns into play on the floor. To production and effectiveness in that starting lineup and in those major minute lineups
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean john henson a guy who who is often you know not looked great by plus minus lineup metrics you know last year i mean let's remember john henson a year ago started a bunch of games in a row early in the season and you know the starting lineups were were not great from from everything i recall and um so far he's actually leading them in on-court rating they're they're plus 15.7 with john henson on the court and um so again you know you can't control a lot of that um you know for for somebody like Giannis, for instance like you know literally that his his rating especially the fact that his the the off court the the bucks off court rating on defense is so much better without Giannis, um that could literally come down to like you know cal corver going on that run against yep. the Cavs because we're still early in the season right like that that's yep. sort of how small of a sample we're still dealing with but um we'll obviously continue to kind of monitor all this stuff and to your point about you know where the bucks end up um you know do they become where is sort of the room for improvement offensive de- de- offensively defensively uh i think i just checked and going a- after the tonight's games they are now i believe 12th in offensive rating and 16th in defensive rating um so, you know, again, kind of still just average, which is exactly where they were after Chris Milton returned last yep. year defensively. So, um, again, I, I think absolutely they should expect to be better. Um, missing Monroe should do nothing to hurt their defensive rating over the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, certainly offensively, I think, what were they, 12th last year as well? So they're, they're yep. pretty much sort of where you'd expect them to be, at least if you're just going to go by last year. But um, obviously, if you were 12th last year, and now Giannis turns into like this high usage, you know, ultra high efficiency destroyer of worlds. I mean, for those for those curious, he's averaging just shy of thirty five points, eleven boards, um, five and a half assists on 68 percent true shooting, which is just just <laughs> just hilarious. Hilarious. What is it? What is it? Like, what is he's like he's like he's like the eighth most. Is he like the eighth or tenth most? I don't know. He has like he's on the short list for most points scored in your first six games um yep and i think in the last like 30 years it's like a very short list it's basically guys like you know jordan and jordan and <laughs> like, <laughs> people like that yeah. so um yeah Jan, I, I, I don't know i mean well let me ask you let me ask you this um if, if i had to say if i had to put the revised over under on Giannis's scoring this year um if I put that at... Well, let, let me throw that. Is it is it plus or minus 30? Like, is that is that Man. where it should be? I mean, he the number's been coming down here a little bit since starting with, you know, uh, 37, 34, and 44. Um, but still, I mean, he scored 30-plus points in five out of six games at this point. He had 28 in the game. He didn't. Um, I mean do we do we is is the question mark whether or not he gets 30 points a game or like do we think he's still sort of doomed to not doomed I mean let's let's be honest but is he going to regress more towards like 26 or 27 I, I don't know I mean I'm still trying to kind of wrestle with this because I'm so excited about the idea of Giannis being like this next level like elite historically elite scorer that I I'm almost sort of I don't know I don't even want to like talk about it on some level but here I'm asking you anyway
1: So last year, Westbrook averaged 31.6. Harden averaged 29.1. And I'd have to look at their usage rates, but I would assume Giannis's is probably not quite to that level. Actually, I'm not 100% sure. I I would have to look at this year um, and see exactly uh, where they were. But he just does it so efficiently that even if he doesn't have that same usage rate as those guys, that it might not end up mattering 100%. And, yeah, Giannis is second in usage rate right now uh, at 34.8, according to basketball reference. Uh, And uh, Westbrook last year had a 41 usage rate, which is wild. Um, So I just think he's so efficient that I I don't think 30 is crazy. And, again, there's probably going to be a point where, maybe the assists get a little bit of a bump and he, start, he starts being forced to pass more because they other teams just kind of decide that okay, uh, if you're Giannis, you're not going to score and we're not going to let you kick it to Chris Middleton so okay, Tony Snell Malcolm Brogdon and Don Maker or John Henson go score um, and, and even at that point we, we saw a, a crummy team try to put three guys on Giannis today and he just Finish through them so i'm okay with the the over under being at 30 and uh i think maybe i take the over but that's just such a crazy thing (laughs) come out of my stupid mouth um
0: i i really want to see him score 30 points a game this year i would i would love that i think I mean, I don't know. In the modern NBA, I don't think it's probably ideal to 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 need any individual player to score thirty points a game. If that if that makes sense, like you know, we've seen obviously with the Warriors, they have so much talent that um, you know Durant, Steph, like in their idealized sort of you know form with all these stars, that they don't need individually to score you know thirty points a game. I think what like Durant and Steph were both more in the like kind of twenty seven point range. I want to say last year, Um, but I mean on this Bucks team especially with Jabari out, you know, Greg Monroe being out certainly also kind of doubles down on this. Um you know, you just don't have other kind of high usage guys and I think what's so encouraging is that this usage bump has been so I mean he's he's bumped his usage up substantially again and he has gotten more efficient and he's still <laughs> dishing out a bunch of assists. You know, it's not yeah. like he's his assists are way down. I mean his assist rate is slightly down because just I mean he's scoring a lot but that's more just a denominator effect not because he's not making plays for others um, but you know again I mean you look at his his per minute numbers they're basically the same assists per minute as a year ago his yep. rebounds are up his scoring um, is up 40% per minute heading into today um, so maybe <laughs> it'll be down slightly but I mean is, is this, I mean, it's going way up right I mean, last year he was at 60% true shooting this year at 67 and a half that was coming into the game I think he's around 68% um, after this game so um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think it's bound to come down a little bit just cause yeah, I mean, teams probably begin to double more. Um, but, but that obviously doesn't necessarily have to hurt the bucks, you know, that, that just means more open shots for, for other guys. And, um, you know, it's, I, I'd be curious, I think today all of his assists, I want to say were were threes i know he had a couple nice passes to henson that where he, when he couldn't finish um but i, I think all his assists that he's credited for were threes he had another assist that was to tony snell that was just or sorry that was to malcolm in the early third that was just given to tony snell which i complained about to uh, everyone and it probably is not going to get corrected um but uh but yeah it's it, i mean what he's doing now is is incredible and I think the the only question is can he sustain just sort of the the, the scoring efficiency that that he's getting i don't think he's gonna I mean, he's not gonna get less touches right i mean maybe over the course of the season maybe if, when jabari comes back but i mean Jabari's not going to be like super high usage coming off an acl right away so um so yeah I, I think it'll be interesting to see but i think you know again i think he can be a mid 60 mid 60s and true shooting and you know Get all this usage, and so yeah, third. I mean, to maintain thirty points per game, I think that's totally reasonable. Yeah. Um, and I think on this team, it might actually be needed. I think long term, you probably would like to have somebody else who can take the pressure off a little bit, just so you're not you know taking the pounding and you know having to to you know especially because he's he's as he's gotten more physical. Like, I mean, again, he's not just shooting jump shots and taking wide open you know dunks and things like that. He's having to work really hard for these points. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's just so much fun right now seeing him kind of night in and night out do what he's capable of doing and um, you know obviously to see the team move to 4-2 and two, you know okay uh, could they be a little bit better? Yes. Have they been awesome? No um, but certainly the next few games coming up I think will be a good test with uh, first Oklahoma City on Tuesday and then uh, some some difficult road games or some difficult road games and some just kind of Over you know so so difficult road games, but Mm -hmm. um, you know a a good uh, a good test for them. I think technically the Bucks are the only team in the East that is undefeated on the road, but they're only two and zero. So we'll see if they can kind of continue to make hay and certainly i think the thunder will be a good yardstick because obviously uh they are a team that has stars and they have that westbrook guy who's who's, whose usage is way down but um they they have a number of guys who who certainly i think can can put pressure on the bucks and um a number of guys in george and and robertson who at least have some chance of defending him but um we'll see on tuesday if they can
1: all right um let's try to wrap this up 16 points for assist two steals one rebound for malcolm brogdon ho-hum he just keeps yeah being keep on keeping up and the yeah it, he took a step over the offseason and um i, I know it's something that we weren't 100 percent sure what another step for malcolm brogdon would look like I, I think he's doing a really nice job finishing at the rim uh, he's gotten better at some of those high glassers he had one in the first quarter tonight this week or yeah tonight where it was just like oh wow like that's not something he used to finish. So he keeps getting better, which which is impressive. And um, even if there isn't the, the chance that there's a, a superstar inside Malcolm Brogdon, there's clearly some room for some potential improvements. So that's a good thing. Um, let's end here. Rashad Vaughn, he scores 12 points. He goes four of six from three, three rebounds, two assists. He has until October 31st. At, is it at midnight? Midnight Eastern.
0: Uh I, I don't know.
1: I think that's when the deadline it, it's is. It's
0: this week. It's this week. And you know, we'll, we'll find out very quickly if it's happening or not. Yeah.
1: So I need a prediction, Frank. Did this get him his fourth year extension? Because as you mentioned, as we talked about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, I don't think we spent time on the podcast talking about this, but I think both of us had kind of accepted that okay, if DeAndre Liggins is getting minutes over you, that ex- that that option is probably not getting picked up. So, have you been moved by a hot shooting day from Rashad Vaughn? Um, do you think maybe Tuesday he gets another chance to to do it again and prove himself? What, where are you at?
0: You know, I, I think looking when 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 we've been looking at all these like potential Eric Bledsoe trades, and you know, you just kind of move around the puzzle pieces and see, okay, like if you take Bledsoe's money, or you know, if you throw Tyson Chandler on, and then you ship this or that out um you know a deal like that it's kind of like reminded me just how important uh every last every last dollar is for a team like the bucks moving forward and, and managing their cap effectively and um again 2.9 million is not a lot in the grand scheme of the NBA for Rashad Vaughn in terms of that last year option but man I, I mean it, I I just think at this point I, I would say, and I and I I mean every team hates to do this. I would shade to saying don't pick up the option just because or or predicting that they wouldn't take the option just because it might they might really need that money a year from now and yep. and that you know if they if they have ambitions of adding talent and you know keeping guys like Jabari Parker um, again every every couple million bucks you can save uh, is a big deal and again you know if Rashad Vaughn actually was a guy that it sounds like couldn't be given away recently. Um, Mm -hmm. that is, that's, that's a concern. And again, he's getting, you know, he was like right now he makes about 2 million. Um, he bumps up to three next year. Uh, again, if he shoots 40% from three this year and actually gets minutes, then yeah, you can probably, you know, just trade him for a top 55 protected pick if you were in a crunch and, and whatever. But, um, I don't know. At this point, I, I, as young as he is, as much as people might like him personally, I just think, man, um, probably decline the option. And then, I mean, obviously, you can still resign him if if uh, if you want. But typically, at that point, you know, guys usually head elsewhere. So I don't know. I'd lean no that he won't won't get the option. What, what do you think?
1: I think the same thing. Um, one, I'm going to be very interested to see if. If he's the first guy off the bench, because I think he was the first guy off the bench, or at least one of the first guys off the bench today, if he is in that same role on on Tuesday, or, I mean, you see Westbrook, you see George, uh you see Anthony, Liggins has been a guy that they've really liked throwing at, at very talented guards, so does Liggins just take that spot back and it was a nice one-off game for Rashad Vaughn and in a couple weeks he'll get another chance to do it and that'll be the way it goes so I, I would lean that no they-, they will not pick up that option uh, but yeah the that deadline's getting very close October 31st I'm not 100% sure on the exact deadline I do know last year uh, the Bucks had a Halloween game like they do on Tuesday and it was announced that they picked up Rashad's third-year option about 4 o'clock uh, on that day, and then, I mean, obviously there was a game that night, so um, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities that the the Bucks do that again where they pick it up at the last second, but, uh, I would lean no. So, uh, I think that's going to be it for us for today. Um, we are going to talk a little bit tomorrow. Uh, we had some people ask us about what we thought about, uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz Bucks conversation. Um, which is kind of wild that a podcast like the low post spent an entire 40 minutes just talking bucks and literally like you can make sure you go download it. I guess I'm giving you homework for tomorrow, which is kind of messed up. Um, but go out and listen to it if you haven't listened to it, but yeah, they talk bucks for 40 minutes. I think they touch on a number of the things that we've talked about, um, over the summer with how interesting Jabari Parker's contract is, um, the defensive scheme, the offensive scheme, the coaching staff, uh, ownership, Giannis. I'm trying to think what else they talk, but th- there's a whole lot in there. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about some of that tomorrow, and then we will get you ready uh, for the Bucks game against Oklahoma City on Tuesday. We, that was Frank. I'm Eric. This has been Locked On Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow. All right, Frank. I will edit this and send it.